All right, welcome. Here we are, message number three in our series, The Sixth Sense. So let's just do a little review, just, just real briefly here. We've been asking and answering four key questions about our sixth sense or our conscience. And the first question we looked at was, what is the conscience? And we said that our conscience is that built-in indicator of right and wrong, that voice that speaks to us. It affirms our good behavior. It accuses us of our wrong behavior. Why is understanding and training the conscience so important? We said something very simple but very profound. Why is this an important series? Well, we said when your body is right, you're healthy. When your when your uh, spirit is right, you're holy. But when your soul, when your conscience is right, you're happy. There is no such thing as a happy person that does not have a good conscience. Very important that we understand how to have a good conscience, and we'll look at that in a little bit. That's our fourth question that we'll answer. The second question in our series, what is the cost of ignoring your conscience? If you push away, if you drown out your conscience, what is the cost of that? We said there are four types of consciences talked about in the Bible. There's first of all that conscience-stricken conscience. When initially our conscience begins rain, that, hey, something isn't right. And if we don't pay attention to that, and let's say we lie, well, then we sin, and in doing so, you acquire a guilty conscience. And if you continue to push away that sin and don't ask for the cleansing that God provides of your conscience, then that conscience will turn into what is called a corrupted conscience. And then you have people who are serial liars, And they begin lying without any remorse, and they don't even think it's bad anymore because their conscience has readjusted to a different type of morality, a different standard, because it's now becoming corrupted. And if you continue to just drown out the voice of your conscience, it ultimately ends in a seared conscience, where years of just drowning out your conscience, it becomes ineffective, dead in effect. And we shared last Sunday, it's not God's plan that anyone commit conscience suicide. God doesn't want that for anyone to go from a guilty to a corrupted to a seared conscience. God's plan is that all of us would learn to live with a good, clean, and uh, uh, clear conscience. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the third question, and it's, it's really this, what are the benefits of a good conscience? Now, next Sunday, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach about how you develop a good conscience. So let's say you're like, okay, I'm in. I am going to train my conscience to be good. What will be the benefits if I acquire a good, clean, and clear conscience? We're going to answer that question today. This message kind of sets you up to want to be here next Sunday to learn how to get this type of conscience that's good, clean, and clear, because if you live with that kind of a conscience, you're going to experience the benefits that we're going to talk about today. So here we are, six benefits of a good conscience. And I want to give you six P words. They all start with the letter P. And the reason we're doing this is because the Bible talks so much about the benefits of a good conscience, and it merits an entire message. So here we go, six P words. And each of these words represents a benefit of a good conscience. Number one is peace. And right now, I just heard in the audience, yeah, you're right. (laughs) 
I mean, how wonderful to wake up in the morning or to go to bed at night with peace, not guilt, not shame in your conscience. You know, we often joke about Proverbs 19.13, and it says, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. Is there any men that want to say amen to that? If you're married, you don't want to say it too loud. But that is an amazing word picture, isn't it? A constant, a quarrelsome wife like a constant dripping. Well, what's worse is a conscience that is a constant dripping on your soul because of something you have done. I do a lot of travel, as you know, because I oversee uh, all of our missions. And I'm on a trip one year, and I'm sitting next to a man, long flight, and uh, I love people, and I love especially to ask people questions and just hear stories from the lives of people. And as I asked this man to tell me a story, he began to realize uh, this pastor is really taking an interest in me. And when people recognize you take interest in them, it's amazing what they will uncover and what they will share. And he shared with me that he had uh, murdered someone. And his soul was so tormented by this which took place in his past, it was like this constant dripping of pain, like acid being poured into his very being. And he just, is there any way I can be set free from this pain? And we talked about that. Job said this, Job chapter 27, verse 6, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. That is a commitment. Job is saying, I have chosen to order my life in such a way that my conscience will not accuse me, condemn me all the days of my life. You can make that kind of commitment. We're going to talk about that next Sunday, how you get there. Richard Sibbs, in his commentary on 1 Corinthians, he pictures the conscience as a court in the council of the human heart. We've all seen law and order. You've all seen a courtroom. I want you to imagine a courtroom. And this author is talking about how the conscience is like a courtroom. And in his imagery, the conscience itself assumes every role in the courtroom drama. It is a register to record what we have done in exact detail. See, everything we do, the conscience records. It is the accuser, our conscience is, that lodges a complaint against us when we are guilty. Our conscience, it acts as a witness, giving testimony for or against us. Our conscience, it is the judge, condemning or vindicating us. And finally, our conscience is the executioner striking us with grief when our guilt is discovered. See, I'm, I'm talking about a benefit of a good conscience being peace, not this condemning, hounding conscience. It's amazing how God has created our conscience, this inner being, our soul. It's incredibly complex and intricate and beyond, really, understanding in its totality. But when you... M- Manage your conscience in the way God talks about us doing, it results in peace. I mean, just peace. One person said this, there is a higher court than the court of justice. 
That is the court of conscience. See, the court of justice is out here, but there's a different court in your heart. It's your conscience. That is the highest court, so to speak, in your being. You cannot escape that court. And that court is speaking to you about your life. If you order your life in such a way, guess what? That court will be silent, non-condemning, peace. So is the court of your conscience loud or quiet? Is it screaming at you or is it silent? A man came into my office a while ago uh, with the, this, the, these crosses. I know it's hard to see. But there are three crosses that he whittled out of a piece of oak at the bottom of these three crosses. It took him hours, and it's really beautiful. It's quite intricate. And he came into my office. It took him about a half hour to get out what he wanted an appointment with me for. And he passed these to me. And finally, after a bit of time, he shared that that he is a, a man who's gay Uh, He realized that several years ago, he uh, has AIDS, and he has uh, slept around with so many men and has given them the virus, and he, he was just tormented, and he was like, can I ever be free of this pain? And we talked about the need to go to the real cross of Jesus and find that freedom, find the peace, you see, that alone comes through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, uh, when, when we listen to our conscience, <laughs> an amazing benefit is a life of peace, peace. Benjamin Franklin said this, a good conscience is a continual Christmas. I love that. A good conscience is a continual Christmas. I love Christmas. It's fun. It's joyful. Anticipation. So much laughter. To have that kind of conscience. If you have a good conscience, your life is a continual Christmas. If you have a bad conscience, there's condemning and it's, wow, a load of guilt. How wonderful to go to bed at night wake up in the morning, having your conscience not accusing you or condemning you, but having peace, peace in your heart. That is the first benefit of a good conscience, beloved. Do you want that kind of conscience? Come back next Sunday. We'll talk about how to get it. Second benefit of a good conscience is protection. You see, the conscience is the soul's automatic warning system. And as we train ourselves to listen to our conscience, our conscience, watch this, will protect us. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 13. This is an incredible chapter here, these verses, and it speaks about the government and our interaction with the government. And Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7, let's just kind of read here. And in the midst of it, Paul talks about his conscience and our conscience. And there's a profound point here. Chapter 13, Romans, verse 1, everyone, that's you and me, must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Did you hear that? All authority is established by God. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against that authority is breaking, is rebelling against what God has instituted. 
And those who have done so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority like a police officer? You want to have no fear around a cop? Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he's God's servant to do what's good. But if you do wrong, we'll be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. This is how God has set it up, society. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. Authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. There was one time after, I, this isn't even in my notes, but I was in a, with a CPA, you know, doing my taxes a few years back, and it hit me. I had some extra income that I didn't record. I went back, looked it up, and I emailed it back. Why? Because I want to have peace in my heart. When your conscience begins speaking to you about taxes you owe, don't you want to have peace? Listen to your conscience. But here, this whole point here, we keep a clean conscience, Romans 13, not only for peace, but also for protection in this context, so we won't, have, won't end up going to jail. Think about every person in jail. What they all have in common is one thing. They did not listen to their conscience. They didn't. They didn't maintain a good, clean, and clear conscience. The soul's automatic warning system went off, and they ignored it, and now they're paying an amazing, difficult price. I'm holding in my hand a letter from a teenager who actually came through our ministry here at Three Crosses. He is now in jail and prison for life, for murder. Him and his friend murdered a woman. And here's his letter. I wish I could go back to those times where, I was, where life was so much simpler. At times I feel so alone. I even think God leaves me for a time too. I ask God why this has happened, how I got to such a low point in life. Initial conviction, guilty conscience, corrupted conscience, seared conscience. If you are a young person watching this on video, wake up to the, the need to have a good, clean, and clear conscience. Listen to your conscience. Because our world is, our, our, our United States, our jails are overflowing because we have not learned to listen to our conscience. I ask God, why has this happened to me? Why did I get such to a, such a low point in life. I just don't know what to do anymore. And we're ministering to this young man. Unfortunately, though, those words describe the lives of many people who failed to heed the warnings of the conscience. And they're either in a prison of themselves, locked, you know, in jail, because they know something no one else knows, or they're literally in prison. Our conscience is our soul's internal warning system to keep us from harm. It's there to protect us. And as we learn to maintain a good, clear conscience, that will lead us. You see, God uses that to guide us so his protective hand comes around us. Sirah said, a man's conscience can tell him 
his situation better than seven watchmen in a lofty tower. Picture seven watchmen in a lofty tower. Why do you have that? To protect the city from getting destroyed. Better than seven watchmen is your conscience. And listening to your conscience about what it says, about your life, what you do, and what you don't do. As you follow and listen to that conscience, not drown it out, it will protect your life. It'll protect your marriage. It'll protect your family. Beloved, yes. Huge benefit of a good conscience is protection. Third benefit of good conscience, power. You see, when you learn to maintain a good conscience, you will possess an an internal sense of power and optimism that will well up within your life, even in the midst of great opposition. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter uh, 23. This, This is an incredible scripture here. Acts 23, we we find the Apostle Paul, and he's on trial, and he's facing all of these uh, false accusations, and you look at his defense. It's, It's incredible, and you see the energy, power of the Apostle Paul in the midst of all of this accusation. Uh, Paul looks straight at the Sanhedrin, verse 1, chapter 23. The Sanhedrin was the supreme court of Israel in that day. There were 71 members, and presiding over the whole court was the uh, high priest. And Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in a all good conscience to this day. Whatever you have against me, I have a good conscience. And what I'm sharing with you is that a good conscience gives you courage. Courage to take a stand even in the court of law. If you have a guilty conscience, you will be courageless. I'm not being, trying to be too judgmental, but I look at Bill Cosby, I do not see courage. I see a man under just looking at him. This guy is just, Wow. But then I contrast that with the Apostle Paul, and you look at the energy, the optimism, because his conscience is clear. And notice what happens with Paul. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him in the mouth. Now look what Paul does. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. (laughs) That's some confidence. You sit there to judge me according to the law, and yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck? And then Paul gets corrected. Those who were standing there, Paul said, you dare insult God's high priest? And Paul, Paul goes, whoa, brothers, I did not realize that that was God's high priest. For it is written, the Bible, Paul knows the Bible, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. What's Paul going to do now? Look at verse 6. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others were Pharisees, called out to the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. I mean, this is an amazing, you talk about a brilliant with energy scheme that Paul's coming up with. The Sadducees say there is no resurrection, and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. Now they're taking Paul's side. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away by them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by Paul's side and said, take courage. Because just as you've testified here in Jerusalem, you're going to go to Rome 
My point is this. Your conscience, if it is good, you will have this internal power to persevere, even when you're being accused falsely. On December 4th, I was involved in a car accident. I was rear-ended on the freeway with Tracy. We weren't injured. But it, it, things have turned out so wacky. And I'm, it's been an ongoing battle. And, but I, my conscience is clear. I've had to give testimony. I don't know where this is going to end. I believe I'm in the complete right. Tracy as a witness is there. But guess what? I have tons of reserves. I have tons of energy to pursue in what is being long and drawn out. Why? Because my conscience is clear. If I was guilty of the crime, so to speak, how can you be rear-ended and guilty? Um, you know, then I wouldn't have energy. I'm just trying to illustrate one of the benefits of a good conscience, power. Now, there's another scripture and this is seen elsewhere. And look, turn to Romans chapter 9. Just one more illustration of this. In the Apostle Paul's life, you just look at Paul. He ordered his life with a good conscience, and you see power, this courage that just comes from his heart everywhere. Paul says in Romans 9, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. In other words, there is this great conviction I have because of a clear conscience I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish my, myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Basically, Paul's saying, I have such a firm conviction in the gospel and its power. I myself, I, I, if I could somehow lose my salvation so that Israel would be saved, I would even go there. It's just, there's this power, there's this optimism that just orders your life when your conscience is clean, you have a guilty conscience, man. Sucked out of your life is energy. It just drains you. But when your conscience is clear, you can go get up against opposition and have power. All right. A clean conscience empowers you. Those are the first three benefits of a good conscience. I want you to talk about that at your table. Of those first three benefits of good conscience, peace, protection, power, which one most stands out to you like, wow, that's really cool. I want to have that. Talk about that. Go for it. Okay, let's look at the last three benefits of a good conscience. Number four, the P word there is priorities. Priorities. See, good conscience will lead you into good, healthy, God-honoring priorities. A guilty conscience will lead you into mixed up, messed up, and sinful priorities. Now, Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy 1.3. He says, I thank God, whom I serve as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. Would you underline, with a clear conscience? As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now, Paul here, he points out three priorities that emerge from a clear conscience. Do you see these? Uh, number one, thankfulness to God. Number two, service unto God. And number three, prayer to God. And you see that right there in that verse. I thank God, thankfulness to God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did. That's service unto God. With a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Prayer to God. You see, if you develop a good conscience, it will lead you into good priorities. It really will. You show me a person who has a good conscience, and I will show you a person whose life is characterized by thankfulness to God, service unto God, and prayer to God. You show me a person with a corrupted conscience 
Show me a person with a guilty conscience. Show me a person with a seared conscience. I'll show you a person who is characterized by bitterness to God, serving only themselves, and ignoring or even cursing God. Your conscience is so important. Your your priorities, your life will flow out of your conscience. When we develop a good conscience, it results in godly priorities, and these three priorities in particular. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says it a different way. says, we are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. In other words, when our conscience is clear, this moves us to live life honorably with right priorities in every way. Good priorities, a huge benefit of a good conscience. You have a guilty, bad conscience. Your priorities are going to follow suit, and your life will be really mixed up. Fifth benefit of a good conscience is people. A good conscience is the foundation for good communication with people. You show me someone who is a great communicator with their husband or wife or their kids or their family or whatever, you can point and just go, that guy or that gal's conscience, they, they maintain a good conscience. You cannot have good communication with people. In your business, it doesn't matter. You show me a person who has guilt-ridden conscience, it affects every form of their communication, every relationship. I mean, you live with that type of a conscience, a shipwrecked conscience, it's going to shipwreck your relationships. And some of you know people that way. It's like for some reason, they're not dealing with what's in their hearts, and it is shipwrecking everything, every relationship they touch. And it comes from they do not have a good conscience. Now, Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. He says, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. He's talk- now, Peter's saying, always be ready to talk you know, about Jesus when people ask you about Christ. But then he says, do this with gentleness and respect. When you communicate, communicate with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So that those who maliciously, who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Paul, you know, Peter is saying in your communication, you, you keep this clear conscience. And if your communication, if your conscience is clear, this is greatly going to help you in your communication with people. Neighbors, people at work. If your conscience is dirty or guilty or muddy, Your communication with people, it's going to affect your communication with people adversely. It'll affect your gentleness. It'll affect the respect that's needed in good communication. It'll actually undermine your gentleness. A a, a guilty conscience will undermine your gentleness. It'll undermine your respect. Paul says it with these words in 1 Timothy 1.5. He says, the goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience. Do you see here? Love comes from a good conscience. The key to good communication is love. If people know that you love them, that is the most important thing. When people talk to you, do they know you love them? Watch this. Do you know that love comes from a good conscience? You cannot have love truly 
to where people know you love them if your conscience is full of guilt, if it's corrupted. It's a show, and people see through that. For good communication that comes from love, it must come from a conscience that's good. Try to show love to someone with a guilty conscience. It just doesn't work. It's too shallow, and people see through it. If you want to have good communication with your spouse, your kids, any relationship, keep a good conscience. Like the importance of Acts 24, verse 16 is so critical. I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. That's the goal. How do you get there? We'll talk about that next Sunday. How do you keep your conscience good before God and man? We'll we'll talk about that next Sunday. This Sunday is what are the benefits if you choose to do that? I'm giving you six amazing benefits that belong to a person who has a good conscience. And people, you'll have great communication with people. I don't know if uh, years ago I was watching America, uh, one of America's Funniest Home Videos. I don't even know if it's still on in that program. But it was just this greatest one with this little girl. And it's a mom, and she's got the video camera on her little daughter. And her daughter is like sitting on a counter and, and next to the cookie jar. And the mom's going, did you take a cookie? And the little girl, she's got white powder all over her mouth, <laughs> white powder on her fingers. And she's like, nope. And the mom's like going, you mean you, know, you have no cookie in your mouth right now? And she's like, has cookie in her mouth. The little girl's like, mm-mm. You see, and to me, this is it. Avoiding any kind of community. You don't even make eye contact when you're guilty, when your hand's been in the cookie jar. There's no communication. It shuts down with people. And we can see right through that with a little kid. And guess what? People can see it through with you. There's some people you don't trust at all because you're like, that, that person is so twisted, and you can see through it. If you can do that, I, again, this is the importance of the conscience. You have great relationship, communication with people. You have a good conscience, a clear conscience. Sixth benefit of a good conscience, patience. Wow. How patient are you with people? <laughs> Have you ever thought, have you ever thought that your patience around people or lack of patience could be related to the type of conscience you have? And it is. If you develop a good, clear conscience, it'll lead to remarkable patience. If you develop a dirty, guilty, corrupted conscience, it will lead to great impatience. Oh, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 4, and I'll prove this to you right now. Now, if you know anything about the book of First and Second Corinthians, you know that Paul demonstrates an incredible, unending, gracious amount of patience toward the Corinthians. I mean, it's unbelievable. I read these books and I study them and I go, Paul, you had so much patience with people. Why? Where does that come from? And he talks about it right here. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, it comes from a good conscience. Paul says, I, I care very little if I am judged by you or any human court. I mean, you guys are judging me. You're saying all these false things about you. I don't, I don't care a little bit. I don't, I don't care about that. I do not even judge myself, Paul's saying. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. We'll talk about that in a second. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motive of men's hearts. 
At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Wow. Now note, you can have a clear conscience, but that doesn't necessarily make you innocent. Did you see what Paul said? Why? Because God ultimately is the judge of all things. And he's even the one that's going to judge our motives. Paul is saying here, though, one day God's going to deal with all these accusations that you're making against me, but in the meantime, I'm going to continue to maintain the best I can a clear conscience. And Paul's clear conscience gave Paul, in the midst of all these accusations, incredible patience with people. When your conscience is clear, it leads to almost supernatural patience with people. But when your conscience is corrupted, when it's guilty, your patience will be paper thin. You will lose it around the office. You'll lose it in the home. You'll lose it at church, in the parking lot or whatever. It just shows up. It just does. One of the benefits of a good conscience is almost a supernatural type of patience with people. Wow. So there we have it, six benefits of a good conscience. Peace, protection, power, priorities, people, patience. I want you to talk about those last three. Of the last three benefits that come from a good conscience, which one just most stands out to you? Is it priorities, people, or patience? Talk about that. Okay. Well, this morning, we have answered the third question in our series. What are the benefits of a good conscience? Wow. You know, earlier I had you list as you talked around your tables what you think are some of those benefits. And I'm sure there are others, but these are the ones the Bible really emphasizes. Six benefits of a good conscience. Peace. We experience this inner peace and calm, not an accusing, condemning conscience deep within our soul. Wow. Peace. Protection. We experience protection from harm. Not going to jail. Power. We have this inner sense of confidence, boldness, and perseverance that comes from good conscience. Priorities. We live with godly priorities that guide our life, that well from within. Versus mixed up priorities. Our, our life is just going out to sea. People, we, we are better able to communicate and love people when we have a good conscience. And patience, we possess a patience with people that is just remarkable. And I'm sure as you look at this, because I am with you, I'm like looking at this list going, Lord, this is what I want to be. I want to be this kind of a person. I want to have peace and protection and power and priorities and people and patience. Hey, when your body is right, you're healthy. When your spirit is right, you're holy. When your soul, when your conscience is right, you are happy. And a happy person is a person who goes to bed at night and wakes up in the morning and there's peace and protection and power and priorities and communication with people and patience. And it's just a good conscience is a continual Christmas. I mean, it is. And it's based, it has these six things that are, wow. 
And all this I'm kind of just preaching to get you ready for next Sunday. This is all building. Okay, how do we really have this? And the Bible is so amazing, the portrait it paints on how we get and develop and train for a good, clean, and clear conscience. I mean, how can you have these six Ps radiating from your life? It's simple. Develop a good, clean, and clear conscience. And a pattern that allows that to ever be the case in your life. We'll talk about that next Sunday. And you'll see these six Ps just burst from within. Burst from within your life. And you'll never go back to that old way of living. And truly, you'll be set free. You know, I I was reminded of a story I'm going to share with you. I will not mention this person's name. But years ago, he came through a moment that he would never imagine this would be what he would attempt to do. A member in his family was murdered. And uh, he, being the eldest in his family, it was gang-related, knew that it fell upon him to seek revenge. And so he tracked down the individual who killed his family member. And he's blocking out his conscience, which is saying on one hand, this is absolutely wrong, but on the other hand, I need to be the macho kind of guy. So he took his gun, blocking out his conscience. This was premeditated over months. And he drove to this person's house. And he's beginning to see red at this point. Parks right there near the home and begins to walk right for this guy's door. Gun in hand. Ready to blow that guy's head right off. And as he's walking up those, the, the walkway, his phone rings. It was his daughter. Daddy! Daddy! Woke him up. Next Sunday is going to be a wake-up call for you. How's that for a tease? (laughs) But guess what? This is the wake-up call right now to say you need to be here. Because it's amazing to me how God in His grace, I don't know how He uses all that He does, but I know that in a group this size and whoever's watching online, it's amazing how God will intervene. And for some of us, we're thinking about in a room this size, there's marriages, there's families, there's potential affairs, there's affairs going on right now, and God is just speaking. There is misuse of funds and finances and embezzlement. There are issues that are going on that God loves you so much He's speaking to you about, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on, and you just heard a wake-up call. Because if this guy would have taken that gun, which he had, and committed that crime, which he could have, he, his life would be over. And this is how critical this topic is we're talking about. It is. And how good God has been to us that he spared us what others just a few miles away, sitting in San Quentin or elsewhere, are enduring. 
God loves you. He loves you. And he loves me. And we're fellow uh, men and women on a journey. And God in his grace just uses times like this to get our attention. See you next Sunday. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray.